Welcome to Greener Fields with me, your host, Hannah Nash. Here, I'll be chatting with people all around the world about the realities of life in your 20s and 30s, especially regarding what life is like living in Ireland or abroad. The good, the bad, the funny and the ugly, and everything else in between to help you decide whether the grass is always greener on the other side or just greener wherever you water it. Enjoy! Ellen O'Brien, you are very welcome to Greener Fields. How are you getting on? I am great, Hannah. I'm very happy to be having this conversation with you today. And I'm excited to see where it goes. For those who don't know Ellen, she is one of my very best friends and has been for a while now. So I know a little bit about her story, but I'm really looking forward to hearing um, the kind of in-depth things, the things I've forgotten, which is probably likely quite a bit, and everything else in between. But before we get started, Ellen, would you mind telling the people listening a little bit about yourself for those who don't know you? Yeah, um, so as I said, I'm Ellen. I'm 27 years old, shocking to say. Um, I'm from the lovely county of Waterford. And um, yeah, grew up in the countryside, have always lived in the countryside, and went to study um, exercise and health science in WIT. And that's where I met your lovely self. Um, and yeah, that's kind of a little bit of a, a background into me, I suppose. Yeah, and there's so much that we're going to to talk about kind of from those kind of early days and to, to where you are now, because there's been quite a lot of change, quite a lot of adventure yes. in those years um, that I think would be really relevant to this kind of topic of travel, emigration, but also living in Ireland and the realities or some of the realities that we face um, in our 20s and 30s in Ireland or abroad. And mm-hmm. kind of one of the first questions, and you probably know this is coming because I know you do listen to these podcasts, which I appreciate. I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's coming. Number it's, one fan. Absolutely, absolutely. Sure, she has to be. She's one of my friends. When it comes to your kind of earliest experiences of travel and adventure and you know, for a little bit of a preface for people listening, Ellen <clears throat> has done a bit of travel over the over the last couple of years. She lived in Australia for a little bit. And like she mentioned before, she's back in County Waterford now. But before all this happened, was travel, I know nature and the outdoors was always something that played a big role in your upbringing, in your life. You, from an early age, I think you had a big appreciation from four, basically, where you lived, where you grew up and everything mm-hmm. like that. But when it comes to some of your earliest or best ex- memories of different travel experiences or outdoors in Ireland experiences, what are those? Um, so I suppose I was really, really lucky. And it's only now looking back, I can see how lucky I was. Um, my parents were, were quite wacky um, and they definitely instilled the love of travel in me. So kind of my earliest memories of travel is in 2005, my parents uh the summer of 2005 they were like yeah we're we're going to buy a trailer tent and we're going to head off and travel around eastern europe for the whole summer and we're all like unreal <laughs> um so yeah they they bought a car we bought a trailer tent and we took off and we did england france belgium germany czech republic poland and it was just amazing amazing um, you know, I got to visit Auschwitz while I was there, which I was I was only nine, which was a lot to take in at that age. But it's only now looking back that I see what an experience that was and like how that instilled in me my love of travel mm-hmm. and adventure. Um and then I suppose 
from photos. It's not really a memory, but in 2000, when I was, I would have been four then, they went to Australia for six months. Um, and they bought a tent and we lived in a tent and traveled from Perth to Sydney. And along the way, my dad would have worked in farms and fruit picked and stuff. Um, but I suppose that would have always came up like and family conversations. And and you don't know if you remember it you know, when you're so young or is it just from seeing photos and other people talking about it. But that definitely always stuck out in my head. And I always just had this idea like that the world is huge and there's so much of it to see. And I suppose my parents always instilled in us as well, like that, just go, why not? You know, so people would think you're crazy heading off with three kids. And OK, I hadn't started school yet, but my um, my other two siblings had and my mom homeschooled them for the six months, you know. Um, so I think if you want to make it work, you can make it work. Um, and yeah, I just always just love the sense of adventure. This idea of just going, I feel like your parents did that to, to such a height that I've actually haven't heard of before. And just, <laughs> not just packing up themselves and their lives in, in Waterford, but also three kids and, and yeah. to do that Australia trip when you were only four to even you know, put a four-year-old to get a four-year-old to go on the planes mm-hmm. to get in the first place. Like that seems almost to me like an overwhelming feat. Like I don't know if I, if I at twenty-six would 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 find that okay. But you know, and to have those memories and or not even memories, but photos and things that you've been able to look back on. You know, it those type of experiences, and then that Eastern Europe European trip. It's like no wonder that sense of kind of wanderlust was in you from such an early age because it was built yeah. in you and encouraged in you that it was possible to do these different things that maybe you know wasn't possible or wasn't on the agenda for other people but that you could if you you know you you figured yeah. out bring particularly young kids um away for for a long time and do you remember anything you mentioned visiting Auschwitz and things like that but from those trips are was there anything that sticks out to you of of like God, that was so much fun, or that was more difficult. You know, I know you were young and probably don't have the biggest memory, but maybe you do. Um, that was I think like it was around Eastern Europe it was just like a summer of fun. Um, and we brought he he was basically part of our family, but my brother's best friend as well. And the the three of us just had the best time, just the greatest laughs. Um, but like you said, heading off with kids at a young age definitely wasn't easy like you know and it's easy to look back through rose tinted glasses but now um it must have been tough on my parents you know and there definitely was tough days um it wasn't all just oh this is fantastic you know there was there was struggles there was woes um and living in a tent or living in a trailer tent isn't the easiest thing to do but yeah I'm just so grateful that they did do it even on the bad days, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, that kind of gratitude you probably feel towards this experience is, is probably something that you're going to be instilling in, in your own daughter, Grace, and we'll probably chat a little bit about her in due course because she is absolutely gorgeous and a yeah. big part of... The light of my life. The light of your life. I was going to yeah. say a big part of your life right now. I'd say probably yeah. the biggest part of the your life. The biggest part of my life, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but, you know, so you had those kind of early memories of... When I say extreme travel, I, I I mean probably a little bit more than Trabalgan. And yeah, like yeah. Big adventures, yeah. big family adventures with the high highs and the low lows. 
But then I'd love to hear a little bit about that sense of the times you were at home in Waterford in Ireland and mm-hmm. your appreciation for the outdoors. So I, I would know you as someone that I've, I've heard stories throughout the years that you were involved in all these different outdoor activities from rowing to athletics to horse riding and things like that. And you grew up in an absolutely beautiful part of the country. Can you tell me a little bit about your earliest perception, I guess, of Ireland, of Waterford, of the outdoors? Yeah. Um, so like you said, like the outdoors were just built into my life. So I grew up on a farm. We had about 60 horses while I was growing up. Um, about 10 dogs, ducks, hens. Do you know, I was just never inside. I was literally the biggest tomboy you could ever meet. I remember one Christmas I asked for a boiler suit and a wheelbarrow. Um, that I think just shows how much of a tomboy I was. Um, so every day was just outside, whether it was rain, hail, whatever, I was outside. Um, we have beautiful wood just up from our house. Do you know, when I, I just had great freedom, that's what I remember from my childhood. I could just, when I was eight, nine, ten, head off on, on my pony up the woods on my own. Um, there was never a worry. Uh, I'd walk my dogs. I just loved being outside. Um, I still love being outside. I don't get outside as much as I'd like to, obviously, with a, an eight-month-old at the moment. But um, I just feel like there's something therapeutic about being outside and being on a horse and being in nature um yeah I, it's where I feel my best mm-hmm. and it's it there's a, there's a calm in it I don't know what it is but is it because I grew up in that area or what but I just love love the outdoors um yeah we have beautiful river black water I would have rode from when I was about 10 I think I started until about 15 that was fantastic as well and that kind of there was more of a sense of community there I suppose than, than just the horses um but that anyone that has rode knows how regimented it is and it kind of came down to I didn't have enough time to balance it all and then obviously you're trying to get school in as well and junior search and unfortunately I did leave board rowing um but yeah I just had such an active outdoors lifestyle and yeah I was so lucky that's that's all I can think of now when I look back I was like wow like if you could dream up a childhood as cheesy as that sounds um that's what my childhood really was there's some there's a trend there when it comes to not just the outdoors but being active in the outdoors um and I think you know that's how I would have known you that's what I think we bond over mostly is the mm, fact that we yeah just we basically send each other photos of the field looking out in front of ourselves. And that has that has kept the friendship going for years post-college. Yeah. I think, you know, I think what you mentioned there is that, you know, hindsight is a very special thing when we think back to our childhood, mm-hmm. particularly um, different moments. But to have that sense of feeling very lucky that you got to really experience the countryside life in Ireland, you know, that, yeah. that's what you'd say. And, and living in... in West Waterford and and living in such a beautiful place you without maybe even realizing it at the time was exposed to it at its absolute core and and the cold weather the wet weather the dark days the the, the bright summers you saw it all in different types of activities with different types of people and different group settings and things like that and that really I guess 
carried on to you know for for throughout your life to this day but also towards that time towards the end of school and going to college so as you mentioned before we all went to WIT together. We did exercise and health mm-hmm. science. Shout out, always. As always. And I'd love to know a little bit about that decision um, to, to study exercise and health science, because I do get asked quite a bit about it, because it is quite a random choice and, mm-hmm. and it's quite uncertain where you go into. Because I remember people asking me within the first day of, of saying, I'm going to do that course, what will you be after? Yeah. I think it's the first question <laughs> everyone asks you. you. But what will you As do? if you don't have enough pressure, you have to, yeah, I know. What will you be after? And what does it qualify <laughs> you as? And I still am like, hmm. but that decision <laughs> to, to study exercise and health science is obviously very linked to that active life that you grew up living. Mm-hmm. How did you find those couple of years in college and, and studying exercise and health science in that time pre-pandemic? Because we graduated in March 2021. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, like everyone, sometimes in my teenagehood, as, as, as you call it, um, I wouldn't have had easier teenage years. I find it struggled. I think a lot of people do. You know, you're just trying to find yourself. Um, you're, I didn't have great self-confidence. I was a little bit lost, I suppose, when I finished school. Um, I enjoyed school, the, the education part, but always enjoyed learning. But I both socially I would have kind of struggled you know I had my small little group of friends and I was comfortable with them but outside of that I would have definitely lacked a lot of confidence um and then I I studied you know didn't kill myself I'd say for my leave insert um but I did okay and then I just I had no clue Hannah what I wanted to do I literally like all the way through sixth year, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I think it was because I was struggling internally. I couldn't even think, you know, about the future or who I wanted to be or what I wanted to be. So I was like, right. My parents were always very supportive. Um, I was really lucky that way. They didn't ever put pressure on me that you have to do this or you have to do this. Um, so it was kind of like figure out your own path. And I was like, right, I'm going to take a year out of school or uh, after school I'm just going to take a year out and just breathe and figure out what I want to do um so in that year I started working um in hospitality um great education for anyone that's ever worked in hospitality definitely helped me with my self-confidence as well because you have to push yourself um and then within that year as well I met my still partner <laughs> uh, so I was quite young so that was a definitely such a, a change in year and I think I, I always loved you know fitness like we said but also more than that like looking after your body what you put into it what you eat what you get out of it um and then I started looking up courses and I was like this makes sense this is what I love and like you said everyone starts asking you what are you going to be afterwards and I was trying not to focus on that too much because I just wanted to find a course that I was going to love and enjoy. Um, and that was for me. I didn't want to have to worry about what are you going to be afterwards? Where are you going to go with that course? Um, so that's what led me to it. And when I just read about it, I was like, this is me. I'm, I have to do this. I, I, I love the sound of this. It's, it's just unreal. And then I started the course and yeah, I just, I really loved it. And again, I think it, it, it helped me with my self-confidence. We would have had, you know, the old... <laughs> 
<laughs> classes that definitely would have pushed me outside my comfort zone. But looking back now, it was great. It was good for me, you know. Um, and I really enjoyed college. But I suppose I didn't have the quintessential standards college life. So I would have moved in with my boyfriend um, before I actually started college. So I think that made it a little bit different. Uh, I think in that year that I took out, I grew up uh, really fast. And yeah, me and James moved in together and we had bills to pay. I was still working part-time at the, the weekends throughout college. Um, so in that sense, I think I had a different college life to people. But I still really, really loved college, loved studying, um, loved learning. And yeah, it was, yeah. It was the right, it was the right choice. The, this, this year, right, I think doesn't get enough credit that I think it deserves. Um, and I think from my perspective, taking a year out was something I would have never even considered. Um, and from, I remember our course, we did, we had a lot of people who had done a PLC beforehand or taken a year out or things like that had worked before and I now have such a huge appreciation for that year out and the chance not to feel like you have to move straight in because we're on this rat race and if you don't get into you know go to college or what, what would that even look like and you have to be graduated by 22 so that you can x y yeah. and, and it's all these timelines that I just don't know if they actually they're not for everyone and I think sometimes we try so hard to fit into those timelines but the year out for you like for you and your experience you grew up substantially and and you gained that little bit level of self-confidence and you gained life experience you met James and things like that that may never have happened if you had rushed into the first course that may have not been in Waterford or things like that and I think you know for for anyone listening if who's who's potentially thinking about a course that doesn't have um a specific vote or qualification when it comes to what are you after I would recommend from my experience and I think Ellen would as well is that going to WIT and studying exercise and health was the first time I felt that I was good at school because <laughs> because I did not think I was good at school in in school I thought I was very silly I thought I was completely not academic at all and then between myself and Ellen and a good few of our friends like we I, I became very good at school because I worked really hard but also I loved what I was learning like I mm -hmm. we have I have some some of my best memories in Waterford would be the times in the libraries that we would go straight to the gym and have scones and tea upstairs yeah. in the <laughs> and those are things like you know it maybe wasn't the most traditional college life in it and my yeah different to yours but I think the fact that we were we were so into what we were learning was potentially slightly different and um, but I have zero regrets of that um and when it comes to those four years they were over we finished in March 2020 and I remember so happy that we got the last sports ball in which was the week before <laughs> the world closed down and that kind of time then you over those couple of years when we graduated a lot of different things happened and it kind of accumulated in this it's time to go let's go travel let's go see the world it took a little bit of time to get there I think you worked for a little while and stuff like that but that decision to go um is something a lot of people really struggle with and I think it's sometimes to do with the fact they're not sure where this opinion is coming from is it external is it their parents is it society but not really knowing what they want to do or what they can do for you and your experience, 
that decision to to go to Thailand, I think it was first, and then subsequently Australia and things like that. How did you come to it? Well, I suppose we have to go back to the dreaded pandemic word. Um, so when we finished college, I think it was so, like, I don't even think we realised at the time how tough it was. You know, we were trying to write a thesis in the middle of this. We didn't know what was going on. So then we finished our thesis. That was all great. Um, the world was literally shut down. So I still had my my job in the cafe that I had throughout college. So they were happy to have me back. Um, so I was there for about six weeks full time after we finished college. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this because it was always a stepping stone. You know, it, it was great while I was in college, but it was time to move on. Um, and then I just started looking up jobs and I always, during our work experience, I went to a nursing home and I loved that side of caring for people. Um, and I started looking up jobs and a social care job <laughs> came up. Um, so I found myself working as a social care worker with our degree, which isn't, isn't the worst thing in the world. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I was working with people with intellectual disabilities. Um, very stressful environment, a lot of challenging behavior, but so rewarding. So rewarding. Um, and then within six months, I was promoted to a managerial role. And yeah, that changed everything. I was 24 and uh, in a managerial job that I wasn't, uh, I just wasn't ready for. I thought I was, but it, it took me away from the core part of the job, um, mm -hmm. which was working with the individuals. And I was just so stressed all the time. And it was too much. It was way too much. I was exhausted. And I couldn't do it. I, I just had to admit defeat after, I think it was after about five months, I was like, I'm gone. <laughs> so I handed in my notice. Um, we were still in the middle of the pandemic. So I was actually really lucky in the pandemic that I was able to work throughout it because obviously um, I was a essential worker. So then I started looking. I still liked the gear and roll, but just wanted less of the stress. And I found a job um, that was definitely way less stressful, but still had that care and roll. But it was the other side of the extreme. It was so easy going I just it, it wasn't challenging me at all and I was happy there I got to I think recuperate from my stress for a few months but I just felt so uneasy uh there was just this itch in me and like it was such a hard time to have that itch because there was nowhere to go and I was just I I don't know it, I found it really tough um those those three months and I was like what am I doing Do you know I think we all ask ourselves what am I doing with my life <laughs> um and I was like I kept saying to James I have to go I have to go I was like but well, wherever opens I'm gone and I was like you can come if you like but I'm gone <laughs> um and he was like no he was like if you're going I'm going because we always spoke about travel and it was always the plan it was always the plan finish college go traveling and then obviously just the pandemic changed everything. Um, but in August, August of 2021, um, I started to look up where it was open, where can I go? And that's when Thailand came into the picture. Um, it was open with so many stipulations. Like we literally had so much paperwork to do before we could get in there. 
But yeah, I was handed in my notice. Um, we packed up the house that we had been renting with the previous five years and we jetted off to Thailand with literally no idea what was going to happen because we didn't know there was no other countries in Southeast Asia open. Australia was still heavily like closed at this stage. People couldn't really get in or out. And it was a bit of the unknown. We we're like, we might be back in a month. We don't we didn't know. Um but we packed our little rucksacks and we headed off and I just I I I always felt like it was in me to go. I never felt pressure um from anyone else or like you said, you know, like a societal pressure that you need to travel in your twenties. I always wanted to go. And I don't know if that was something like, you know, the wanderlust that you spoke about when I was younger. Um, but I just knew that I had to I had to travel, had to experience it. And yeah, we landed in Thailand and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember, I think I remember these different stages and things like that. And I think, you know, again, hindsight it all makes so much sense. But at the time, I remember you going for the promotion in the first place and how excited it was that you get it. And then I remember how mm-hmm. tough it was. And it's funny because it's, you know, I just, it, it in hindsight, again, it, it makes sense that these happen, these things happened for a reason, whatever that reason was. But at the time, like it was a lot of different types of stress and they were different. So it was too hard or too easy. And it was, you know, again, it was, it was trying to figure out what you wanted to do, but what could you do as well? So it wasn't a sense of you you could go anywhere you wanted. You, you had saved up, it's like, where could you go? Um, and what would that actually look like? And then you booked that flight. And I remember you booking that flight and I was so excited because I thought it was just the best thing in the world for you. And it turns out it was definitely up there anyway. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who, who have gone to Thailand, who hope to go to Thailand and everything else like that. But can you tell me a little bit about it? I know, I know you loved it, and I know it was. Oh, I could talk about Thailand all day. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I just, it was okay. Like obviously, it was pandemic time, so it was crazy. Um, we got so many COVID tests, and like if we tested positive, this was our biggest fear. You, you were put into like a, a quarantine center. So basically, these ambulances would come and pick you up and haul you off to a hotel. But thank God, neither of us tested positive and we landed in Phuket and um, luckily enough, James is a very competent motorbike driver, which I would say anyone driving a motorbike or a scooter in Southeast Asia, oh, it's it's crazy and you'd want to have your wits about you. But we just landed and we had our first two weeks in Phuket and we didn't have a plan. We literally didn't have a plan. So in that first two weeks, we were like, what What are we going to do while we're here? You know, we had a 60 day visa and we didn't know much about Ireland. Um, but we were like, right, Shanghai, we, we knew we wanted to go to Shanghai. We were like, let's buy a motorbike and drive all the way to the top. Um, so we started looking at motorbikes. We bought a motorbike and we drove um to Shanghai. And we got to experience, I think, such a wonderful side of Thailand that you know we were in that I, I don't know, I feel like got to see real Thailand outside of all the, the tourist hotspots because tourist hotspots wouldn't be for me and they wouldn't be James's thing either. Um like we stayed in homestays where the people didn't speak a word of English. We literally would be like, 
trying to find food during the day. Um, but it was just, I don't know, it was the first time in my life I just felt so free. Um, and it was just amazing, amazing. So we got to Shanghai and um, then we extended our visa for another 30 days. So we had three months in Thailand and uh, it's just a wonderful country. I couldn't speak highly um, enough about Thailand. The people, I think, are some of the nicest in the world. So friendly, so helpful. We had a lot of um, <laughs> breakdowns, but there would always be someone to help you. And the food there is beautiful. Uh, uh, it's just, it's a wonderful place. And I just feel really, really lucky that we got to, experience that side of it you know the motorbike gave us such freedom um we could just go wherever we wanted to go and yeah i just loved it it was it was wonderful <laughs> i get emotional even thinking about it because i just feel like the two of us uh it, we really needed that three months it was like even as as a couple we needed it because it had been such a tough year and it, it just brought us so close together and yeah I felt like my best self <laughs> yeah and, and it's funny because I, I during this conversation I'm always writing notes of words and things that you say and the sense of freedom or being free has come up a couple of times I think originally when you spoke about when you were younger and then nature in Waterford but that sense of freedom I can I can almost I can feel it too when you say it or you describe it because I can imagine both of you on some random motorbike with like a bag on you. And yeah, our, our little rucksacks on yeah. our back and, and me sitting on the back trying to hold Google Maps up and navigate <laughs> where we're going. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and particularly when you came from a time that you, could, you couldn't be free, you weren't free, you were actually, and again, like you said, you, you grew up very fast in that year before you went to college. And, and I always kind of feel, I think we've always kind of related to this in a different way as well, is that we've always felt quite old, <laughs> uh, yeah. even though we were young or still mm. are young. We've always, like I've always felt like I'm like 95, like yeah. in, I've always been a 95 year old. Um, <laughs> I wonder if that ever changes, but the sense of freedom doesn't come naturally to people like, maybe myself or yourself when it comes to um being organized being on top of things planning yeah. everything like that and it's like the polar opposite of that it's like completely childlike it's like not a care in the world not a worry to be thinking about mm -hmm. and you experience that and then from Thailand you went somewhere different and I can't remember was it Vietnam or Cambodia um but I remember the experience was a little bit not as perfect if I remember correctly yeah, so like I said, we had our 90-day visa um, for Thailand and it was coming to an end. And I was constantly like looking up, where is opening? Where is opening? So where we were actually thinking of going um, following Thailand was Sri Lanka, but it didn't really make sense because we were coming back across the globe. So Cambodia opened, um, again, only by air, not by land. So we had to set our little motorbike because if it was now, we would have probably been able to drive across the land border. But we flew to Cambodia and we had a 30-day visa for Cambodia. And yeah, like you said, um, for me, I found Cambodia a lot different, a lot tougher. Um, the poverty level there was, is, is extremely high. And it was all I can think about when I look back at Cambodia, it was, it was a hard experience. Because like 
I don't know. I'm one of those people that feel everything with my heart. And I just, I just felt so sorry for the people there. Um, but again, uh, looking back now, it was a great experience because it, it gave me gratitude, you know, um, for how lucky we are, especially what everything that's going on in the world right now. We are literally so lucky. And I think we can get caught up in the woes of the little woes of everyday life, which everyone has their worries. But when you see it that plainly, our worries are not matched with other people's. We are so, so lucky. And that experience, particularly directly after that sense of complete freedom, probably, like you said, your best self, um, to, to seeing um, very difficult situations. I remember at the time, you know, there was crashes everywhere mm. and things like that. Um, it would have definitely brought you back down to earth and, mm. and, and, you know, not that not being on earth is a bad thing, but it probably brought you back down and made you think, you know, I guess firstly that you, that that this wasn't a place that maybe you wanted to spend too much time, but also, I guess thinking about a little bit more about the practicalities is, were you going to come home next or or not? <clears throat> I remember at the time it's like you 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 did not necessarily want to be coming straight back after the time away, and if I'm correct in saying that, then. Hey, my name is Hannah, and I am the host of Greener Fields. If you're enjoying this conversation, make sure to leave us a rating, share it with your friends and follow us on Instagram to keep up to date with all things Greener Fields. Was it Australia straight away or, or what happened there? Yeah, so like you said, kind of landed in Cambodia, a little bit shell-shocked, the two of us. Um, we had a month there. But within that month, two of us got pretty sick. Um, we're not sure whether we had COVID or what, but um, we were we were really sick for about two weeks of it. So I, I don't think we did much moving around Cambodia. So I don't know if I give a fair description of Cambodia because maybe we didn't give it enough of a chance. Um, but again, always looking at where it was opening. And I think we were there about a week and Australia opened and we were like, makes complete sense. It was like we've always wanted to go to Australia. We're here. We're going. Applied for visas. Literally got the visas instantly. I think they were literally throwing them out because there was no backpackers after entering there in nearly two years, a year and a half at that stage. So they were desperate for people. And we booked our flights to Australia at the end of January. And yeah, so here we were with our little rucksacks. Um, I think we literally had about three kg of clothes each. <laughs> and uh we were heading to australia and i'm just we were so excited so so excited it just like you said looking back now it all makes sense the way it all ha happened because if the pandemic didn't happen we wouldn't have saved as much as we had throughout that year of us both working we wouldn't have had the freedom to just spend three months um floating around thailand and then another do you know like we didn't have the the pressure of money on us that we needed to go home to earn um so then we we headed to australia and while we're in cambodia like you said 95 year old granny here i was like we have to have a plan <laughs> for when we get to australia so we uh started looking up i was like let's get the the three months regional work out of the way it makes sense you know we both just had nearly six months off I think we could do with a little bit of work 
And then I was like, we'll get the three months out of the way. We'll have our second year visa. We won't have to worry about, you know, because the regional work can often get put to the long finger and then you're stressed about it at the end of your year. So we put a post up on Facebook um, looking for work and we literally got inundated with messages because there was no backpackers there. We literally got, I'd say, over 70 um, job offers. So it was literally like filtering through them. And it ended up this guy from Sligo was working on a farm in the outback um, in Queensland, 600k west of Brisbane. And he just finished up six months there for it was his second time back. And he just sold the place to us. We were like, we have to go. There was like 20 dogs. It was 36,000 acre farm. There was horses. Um, there was a little cottage uh, that was free for us to live in and we were like, yeah, makes sense. So we flew up to Brisbane, bought a car and within three days we were on our six and a half uh, hour drive out to the outback. Um, yeah, so uh, on the way obviously picked up a bit of work clothes. <laughs> but um, then we landed at the farm and... I just remember the uh, the driveway from the mailbox to the house was seven and a half kilometers long. We were driving along the driveway and we we're like, this there can't be a house at the end of this. Like it's way too long. And anyone that's been in Australia, I think to be there, you'd have to understand the the vastness of it. Like it's crazy, you know. Um, it's hard to to imagine really, but it's it's so vast and like a thirty six thousand acre farm. Like just sounds insane you know like we have we have 60 acres that's when you, when you when you think about it it's just crazy but um landed at this cattle station anyway and we met the farmer who was literally your quintessential old aussie like mustache whole lot the the cap going on dogs running around wild he's shouting at the dogs it was just so funny and uh yeah, we settled into it. Um, it was extremely hot. I'm a redhead. I'm fair. I had just spent nearly six months in Asia. I was like, I can handle the heat. No, this was different. And working out in it every day, oh my gosh, it was tough. It was really, really tough. Um, and we had no aircon in our cottage. It was still really hot. It was like 36, 37. You used to get up to 39 40 the odd day for kind of the first six weeks we were there and like our room at night was like 28 degrees so we were trying to sleep in 28 degree heat which it, in the end you just pass out because you're so exhausted from the day's work um but just talking a little bit i think you know about the cattle station and the farm work it's i think a lot of people when they look back on their oz experience the farm work is often the best part of their experience and um we just loved it but I think we had quite a, a different uh farm experience because there was no other workers it was just me and James and the farmer himself and then there used to be some other Aussies hired in to help but our kind of day-to-day -day looked at looked like getting up at 4 30 in the morning we'd feed um potties they were called so there were baby calves and then it was uh, mustering cattle on horseback. So that's where my um, equine 
background really came to to show and I was just yeah it was such a handy skill to have I never thought I'd use it over there but James fair play to him never rode a horse in his life and yeah he took off on the horses <laughs> so we've worked nearly six six days a week 12 hour days out in the sun um and then it was either chase or rounding up the, the, the cattle on horseback or else yard work which was all oh, so dusty and so hot. Um, when I look back, I'm like, wow, it was such tough work. Like we just literally collapsed into bed at the end of the day. But at the core of it, it was like, uh, it was just so simple, such a simple lifestyle. And I think what I had grown up with, it's like I had, I suppose, you know, through your teenage years and stuff, you start to to get away from from what your childhood was like. And it was like I was re-immersed in it. And I loved it. I loved it. I know I talked about being my best self in Thailand, but this was also another oh it was it was fantastic. Loved it. It wasn't all rosy in the garden. Working with your partner is really tough, especially when it's hot. Um, you do get on each other's nerves, you're spending twenty-four seven together, um, which is 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 hard, but for us as a couple, it definitely made us stronger. Um, but yeah, so we spent three months then on that cat station. But our our old mate, as we call him, our boss, <laughs> he was a tough cookie. Um, and you know me, I I don't really take take shite. <laughs> so I would have had uh, a few run-ins with him, and we got to the end of our three months. We got our second year visa, and we were like, look, I think it's time to move on. But we love the outback lifestyle, and. We were, the plan was always to come home for a month um, that summer of 2022 for my brother's wedding. I was a bridesmaid and James was a groomsman. So we, were, we, had, we had about three months spare there after we left the first cat station. We were like, it makes sense to stay around this area and try and look for another farm job. And that is when we met our next lovely, lovely, I'd nearly call him like, family um and we they were 117 kilometers from where we were so not too far and again had a cottage and we moved there and we spent three months there and they became our little Aussie family they were a lot different a lot younger and they had kids and stuff so it was a different experience and the farm was also a lot different it was a grain farm so there was a lot of work with machinery and stuff not my forte but I got through it, um, didn't enjoy the work as much, but I think the social side of it, I enjoyed more kind of having a bigger work team. And like I said, there was that family there as well. And they, yeah, they made us feel very welcome. And then, yeah. Uh, the, the diversity of experiences in Australia. And I think, you know, like you mentioned, I, I have spoken to a few people who are in Australia, but also a lot of people want to go. And that's why these conversations are really interesting and insightful is like, what is the reality of farm work? Like how big is an actual Australian farm? Mm. What what time do things like up? But also the fact that it's hard and it's hot, it can also, you know, like you said, a lot of people will look back and think that was some of the best of times because it was structured. You were making money yeah. consistent um, and you had that end goal in mind that it would get you that extra year, year two visa. Mm. 
Um, and I just remember seeing these photos and I just I do remember one of yourself and James on a horse and then surrounded by 30 dogs and the heat and the hat the hats you had to wear to just try to keep oh we we immersed ourselves we were Aussies like they actually (laughs) thought we were Aussies we got the hats we had the check shirts which I still wear I brought that trend home with me (laughs) um we just yeah I don't know we just thrived there we were we, we loved it loved it and 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 like you mentioned, your your expectation was that you'd come home for the month in during the summer for your brother's wedding, and that expectation didn't really come to reality. And I love you to tell me a little bit about that and maybe how you got your head around that because that was your goal, that was your plan. If you're like me, when things don't happen, mm-hmm. it can be a little bit uncomfortable. It can be a little bit more than a little bit uncomfortable um what was what, what what happened there yeah so like we had nearly six months of farm work done then we had a nice bit saved up I am totally like you as you know complete planner so we had a nice bit saved up the plan was to, to buy a, a jeep and we were going to to travel and travel uh for a few months and then work on another station cattle station save travel that was kind of our plan for our second year visa i would never have been uh let's go to sydney girl you know me and it just wouldn't have been me i even brisbane for three days was too much for me (laughs) i was like get me out of here um cities just aren't my thing so that was our plan um we were very excited about that plan and then about Three weeks before we were due to come home for the month, um, I started to, to feel pretty sick. And James used to be joking. He's like, oh, you're pregnant. And I was like, oh, shut up. I am not. And then it, it started to, to keep um, happening. Felt very, like I had a lot of fatigue and nausea. And I was like, okay, better do a pregnancy test. Uh, this was about four days before we were due to, to fly home for the month. And it was positive. And in that moment, yeah, everything changed. Everything changed. And looking back now, it was it was such a shock. Anyone that has experienced an unplanned pregnancy, I don't think until you've went through it, you know the shock. It it it's such a shock. And I think I was in shock for a good oh six or seven weeks. Um, literally like it was it was tough. Um so the two of us were definitely in shock. We were like, let's go home for the month. Let's, you know, reassess. Obviously, this is a massive, massive curveball. Um, but we headed home. Um, I think we didn't really speak most of the way home. I think our, our jaws were literally on the floor. Because like you said, Hannah, everyone has a plan. Like, And I, I'm such a planner. Um, and I think I would have always had this idealistic view of the way my life was going. And in my head, I was like, oh, my God, it's happening. You know, my, I'm living the dream. I I got went to college. I'm traveling now. Um, I have a partner. And we're going to travel for the next three to four years, maybe come home, maybe not get married and have a have a baby when I'm 30. You know, this idealistic view of how it was all going to pan out. And yeah, so we came home. Um, I was literally shook. That's the only way I could describe it. As well as having more in sickness, I like I said, I, I was in shock. 
and I couldn't hide it from my mother because mothers know everything. So I told her and yeah, there was a lot of, of discussions about what we were going to do, what was going to happen. And in the end, um, yeah, we decided that the best thing to do was to stay in Ireland because on a working holiday visa, you cannot have a dependent. So basically, if I had Grace in Australia, I would have been deported. <laughs> um, and the cost of having a baby in Australia is extremely high. But yeah, so the decision at that point, at the end of, of kind of a two weeks at home was, we're going to stay and have the baby here. But Australia was never off the cards because I couldn't leave go of it. I couldn't say we're never going back. I just couldn't say that out loud. Um, so it was a bit bizarre now when I think back because our car was left in an airport car park. Um, we had left that cattle station, so all our clothes were in the car, which, as I had said, I travelled pretty lightly. weren't exactly a whole lot of clothes. But, yeah, we just got a scrap um, company to come and take the car away. And, yeah, that was kind of the end of... of 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 Aussie for then for the next while while the pregnancy was going on, um. So we're back in Ireland. I have no job. James has no job. We have nowhere to live. We haven't lived at home since we were nineteen. So like living at home was just not an option for us. We had no cars. <laughs> like you know, our life was in Australia. Um, and I think it's only when I say it out loud, I'm like, oh my god, it was so hard. You know. Um, but we were lucky. We got somewhere to rent. Obviously, paying like over a thousand euros a month rent, which in the year that we were gone, the in- inflation rate in everything. We were just like, oh my god, what has happened here? Do you know, because we'd lived in the outback, we were earning, we'd no rent. All we spent money on was groceries, and um, we were saving, saving, saving. So next thing, we were back here. We had to buy two cars. That's a fair bit of your savings gone. Uh deposit for rent and we were lucky enough that the two of us got jobs um but yeah I it was tough it was really tough and sometimes I feel guilty because I had a perfectly healthy pregnancy um physically but emotionally I struggled and I don't think people talk about that enough um it was so tough yeah I think no, and, and thank you for sharing that. I know I say that sentence a lot when people say anything anything of meaning on this podcast because but it's because it's real and, and like you said, people don't share the fact that sometimes it's not all like like roses, like rose tinted glasses. And when things happen unexpectedly, particularly if you are a planner and you have a plan that can really throw you off center and you know, you weren't just something just didn't go like it wasn't just something small it was where you were living it was a continent it was the rest of your life like it was it was a lot to take kind of all at once like kind of literally all at once you were leaving Australia you were having a baby you were back in Ireland and this idea of coming home was something that you weren't expecting to do for a while if not ever Mm. and then suddenly you found yourself home and pregnant and trying to figure things out but also being you know in your 20s and trying to figure things out anyway by default of just being a person and then you had all this on top of you but then you did mention that you know you had a perfectly healthy pregnancy and you had a perfectly and still have 
the most perfect little girl in the world in grace and you know from that time that you went through the pregnancy got the job worked found somewhere to live to the time that you became a mom for a very first time and all that kind of um unexpectedness the kind of decisions you had to make the things you may have had to sacrifice for a time um this idea of not letting the Australian dream go in I'm pretty sure I'm trying to think of when her she was born was it March or September yeah March but it was March um can you tell me you know what it felt like to become a mom when you know you really hadn't expected to to do this for a while yet yeah um I suppose I always knew that's one thing I always knew I always knew I wanted to have kids um I love being around kids I have nephews and nieces and kids are fantastic I'm just a big child really but I I just came to March 2023 um was when Grace was born and it was oh just the feeling is just so overwhelming when I think back now I just get emotional about it because at that time I just wish I could have felt the love I felt when I had her throughout the pregnancy because it would have just changed how I felt throughout the whole pregnancy because it was a feeling like no other like just oh utter joy bliss um it was just fantastic and then we were in a little bubble for about two weeks a little newborn bubble but then motherhood does hit I think especially when you're when your partner heads back to work and like you said next thing I'm a 26 year old um mother who had went from living in Australia <laughs> chasing cattle around the field on a horse to being at home every day with a baby Do you know it's a massive transition and it's tough it's really tough but I think what I did find those first few months tough um but what saved me was I had organized like that I'd go to these little mother and baby groups and looking back they, they really kept me going you know just just have someone just to talk to um because it's I know people laugh at me when they say when I say I'm a, a young man but I am you know um for for nowadays it is young 26 is young to to have your first baby and I didn't really know where I fitted in because even at the you know your friends are in a different stage too you've transitioned to a completely different stage like it's the level of responsibility of being a parent is like no other um so you kind of don't really know who you relate to anymore so it was it was tough but at the core of it I loved loved being a mom I I love it I absolutely love it I adore it and it it does change everything it changes your priorities like Grace is now my number one priority um everything is for her (laughs) and yeah uh then kind of talking about where the the Aussie dream was lying at that stage so yeah I, I was finding it really hard to, to leave go of it so we were saying that like we were looking into visas of how we get back the three of us um but it just came down to what what kind of a childhood do we want for Grace and I think that brings us back to the start of the conversation I wanted her to have the same childhood I had <laughs> because like I said if you dreamed up a childhood for someone that would be it and here we can hopefully give her a, a, a little bit of what I had and I just didn't see her having the same childhood in Australia it would have been for us we would have went back it would have been selfish selfish and being a parent you have to be selfless so it was 
it was it came down to what we wanted for grace yeah and, and I think you know it, it it might be for grace to say in 20 years time when I have when I interview her for greener fields was her childhood like as amazing as I expect it will be or expect it already is because mm-hmm. of the priorities that you and James have put in place when it comes to yeah. you know the fact that and, and I guess I guess maybe motherhood again I can't I mean like we have a puppy now and I, and I feel like <laughs> I'm like sleepless nights and I can't even understand or never could compare but I guess the part of it is sacrifice um but it's also undescribable insurmountable amounts of love that you don't get to experience mm. you may not experience until until the day that maybe you become a parent and I guess that kind of brings me to the, this question or this idea of you know where your thoughts are now on Ireland so you left a couple of years ago with the intention of maybe never coming home it depended where you were it depended what you were doing to now you are back in Waterford um a mother with a partner in a house and again you you probably without probably even doing it in a conscious way are comparing your life now to the life you had before the life of other people your age this sense of you know where are the other 27 year olds in the country are there anyone here how you go making friends the opportunities for careers and everything like that where's your head on and all that because I think whatever you end up saying a lot of people will agree with or feel the same way too well I think it's it, it's tough because obviously like I, I was living the the Aussie dream um per se but I found out really tough when I came back looking at Instagram I actually had to take myself off Instagram for a few months because I was literally opening up Instagram in the morning and seeing all these people in Australia um where I really did still want to be and I was living here pregnant and trying to I suppose accept my situation and it, it was it was tough and it is tough for people because like you have to come down it, it's not going to be the right decision for everybody to go um you know it's it's not it's not for everybody definitely not and and okay cost of living here now is high but cost of living in Australia is also high um so it's it's definitely hard to be the the person left on this side of the globe I think sometimes because you do see I think everyone talks about it all you're seeing is the highlights you know we're all guilty of it and of course it looks fantastic when everyone's sitting on on a beach and we're here and it's it's raining but at the the center of it like someone said to me no matter where you're doing life you're still doing life Mm -hmm. and I think that's so true um because it's still the happiness has to come from inside you so like you could be sitting on a beach in Australia and be miserable if you're not happy with yourself so I've had to just come full circle and just accept that this is this is the situation we're in um it could be so much worse Ireland is beautiful and I think while I was pregnant I wasn't seeing that but now that I'm out every day walking again in nature with Grace. I'm like, this place is amazing. Do you know, it, it is amazing. It's so special. And um, I think one of the best parts of it is it's safe. Yeah. Do you know, um, we're, it's safe. Like, look how, how lucky we are, do you know. And that just, it, it gives me a lot of gratitude. Um, But I, I, I do think it is, it is tough and, yeah, Ireland, uh, I suppose we want to 
to have a home for Grace and building a house in Ireland at the moment seems so on like it's like how will we ever get there you know but it it will happen it might take a few years longer than than we'd like but we will get there um I just think it's really important to to remember that while you might have one plan in your head of how your life's going to work out it might take you down many different other avenues but it's still where you should be yeah and that kind of ties in and to, to what I hopefully will be asking next which is you know you you've lived so many different versions of your life like you have lived so many different experiences I'm going way back to the time when you were in Australia first at a, as a four-year-old to the time when you were like super sporty as a preteen and then that the trying to figure out yourself or figure out who you are as a teenager to everything else in between to the moment you are now which is an incredible mother who has a gorgeous baby who is so sweet and everything else in between is there any bit of advice that you have picked up along the way and, and maybe it's this idea of you know just be where your feet are or something like that that you think yeah, after all these years, this is something that I'm going to try to take with me to the next 10, 15, 20 years. Um, I think that if you want to make it happen, mm -hmm. it will happen. Do you know, because I found a, well, a lot of people kept saying to me when we came back was, and, and having grace was like, that's the end of your travel days now. They're over. But it's not. It's not. And I will take Grace um, on mad adventures and I will make it happen. And I just think like life is what you make it. So, you know, don't listen to the outside voices. Um, follow your heart and just, yeah, be true to, to yourself because I, I know that's the childhood I'm going to create for Grace. And yeah, I'm just so excited for the three of us to have our adventures together. This podcast is called Greener Fields because it's my my personal take on this idea. Is the grass greener on the other side or is the grass greener wherever we water it? For you, Ellen, where is the grass greener? Well, I think I've just been honing on about it there. The last five minutes, um, it's definitely greener where wherever we water it. It has to be. Um, but definitely didn't see that a couple of months ago. Would have been saying something completely different. Would have been trying to jump on a plane. <laughs> But um, it's perspective is everything, and yeah, there's it, it. I'm I'm very happy to water my grass here and um watch it grow. <laughs> when it comes to the future, and like you just mentioned, there, I think it's 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 going to be incredibly exciting. I mean, how could it not be with you have an eight year old, eight month old girl who's going to have her first Christmas? Sorry, yeah, eight month old, not eight year, eight month old girl. <laughs> Have her very first Christmas coming up um you know going back to work going to crash for herself there's so many things that change so often I think you know from just having a few friends with babies that it's almost for me it's hard to keep track I don't know how you guys do it it's it, it's incredible but when it comes to what you're what you're looking forward to what you're holding on to hope for when things are a little bit more difficult when it's dark and dreary and you see the other picture of someone in Bondi or you see someone else on a horse in the outback or you for a moment catch yourself comparing your life now to the life that you had a couple of years ago what are you excited for that's coming up in the next little while I think just like you said just just watching Grace grow into incredible little lady I know she's going to become and I just think 
that's the biggest privilege in in life and i'm just so lucky to to be a mom and to to get to watch to watch to be her childhood you know i'm creating her childhood here and i just think that's such a privilege i just I'm so excited for for her future I have tears in my eyes and absolute chills and it's not because it's freezing cold in the attic where I'm recording this because I think you know from obviously you're one of my closest friends and I've seen this kind of journey unfold since I've known you which is probably I don't know eight seven eight years now I feel like we're at a cut or started um in WIT yeah crazy oh, crazy <laughs> crazy but that's another problem altogether when it comes to seeing you and, and hearing that how your your dreams have changed and maybe not um change completely but how your priorities have maybe changed how you've grown more into yourself and if you think back to the time when you know you mentioned in school and not really feeling at, like you know you're who you knew who you were and and maybe we never do find that out but beginning to figure that out a little bit more each day each week each year I think that's exciting it's exciting for me to watch on the outside view and to see you do that and also to see you become a mom it's like the most kind of I don't know what it feels like to be a mom but it's when your friends have babies and they just hand them to you and you're like you are part of my best friend it is one of the most oh my god like overwhelmingly gorgeous experiences and I'm just so grateful to be able to watch it from from my perspective but when it comes to where home is to you where is home home is wherever grace is <laughs> um I like when we still you know it would often come up uh, in a couple of years but we're not honed in on on spending the rest of our life here obviously you know I could see myself taking off for a year or two but whenever I think about home it's literally it's so cheesy to say but I could be happy wherever James and Grace are um once we're healthy and we have each other that's that's where my home is <laughs> and now I'm fully crying so <laughs> this podcast here and it's been such a joy to chat with you to get to hear your story from the beginning to 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 where we are today I think it is inspiring to be honest I think a lot of people particularly my mom and dad <laughs> will get a lot out of hearing your different <laughs> takes because they're big Ellen O'Brien fans but yeah listen it has been an absolute joy thank you so much for joining me on this conversation thank you Hannah and thank you for giving me the, the space to share very oh, very great thank oh, you so much chat to you soon Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of Greener Fields. To get involved, follow us on Instagram at Greener Fields and let us know who you'd like us to talk to next. Thank you so much again and I'll chat to you really soon.